I'm Becky Forsyth, and this is the Icelandic Arts Centre podcast out there. And I'm Thorde Tinnaseradóttir, co-host of this podcast, where we will delve into the Icelandic art scene in conversations with artists and other professionals in the field. This is Tina, one of the hosts of this podcast. So this time it's going to be a bit different. We have kind of a takeover. Lucas Strolia will be in conversation with JL Murto and Eric Wojewodin. Um, but first you can listen to Lucas, Eric and JL in conversation and then they will play uh, some sound elements. Um, basically they have all been a part of Otarkia, an in- influential arts club and workers canteen in Vilnius, Lithuania. In their work relating to the artist room space, they have been close collaborators of the contemporary artist, a national representative of Lithuania at the 59th International Art Exhibition in Venice, Robertas Narkus. Lucas spent the month of September as assistant project manager at the Icelandic Art Center, where he worked on the production of this episode amongst expanding his own network and getting to know the local Icelandic art scene. Um, he will be taking over the podcast for this one episode and interview Marto and Eric about their collaborative projects and the artist run in Lithuania. Lucas himself is an artist curator, production manager and art handler. He graduated from the Vilnius Academy of Arts um, and he has been part of the team of Gut Feeling, as mentioned prior, Robertas Narcos Lithuanian Pavilion uh, at the Venice Art Biennale. Uh, which is actually closing now, soon, this month. Uh, so I just want to have this a short introduction because Lucas is taking over, as I said before. Uh, I hope you enjoy this contribution uh, and we will get to know a bit more about the local art scene in Lithuania in international context and about the concept of the artist run there at the moment. Thank you. Listening to this podcast out there, um, Lucas Trala. 
Lithuanian artist who occasionally drifts in curatorial and culture management pool. This September, I was visiting Iceland and doing my internship at Icelandic Art Center as a part of a project called Borderland Poetics. Today I'm recording this segment in Vilnius Radio Studio with my colleagues, both artists and curators, Lea Murta and Erik Vajavodin. The three of us were working together at uh, the artist-run space Autarkia for quite a while, so I decided that this is a perfect chance just to have a casual talk about us, Autarkia, and the phenomena of artist-run spaces and its importance. First, I would like to ask you both to shortly introduce yourself and tell everyone listening how you got involved in Autarkia's activities. So, Liam, would you like to start? Uh, sure, I can start. Uh, how to begin? Uh, I'm uh, originally from Chicago. Uh, I'm American and lived uh, in London for about seven years, um, working as an artist, studying, uh, just generally doing my thing. <laughs> uh, but one of the jobs I had there was running a commercial gallery in central London called uh, Tender Pixel. And during this time, this is how I became acquainted with Robertus Narcus, who is the uh, one of the founders of Autarkia. And we stayed in contact uh, over the years. I think it's been about eight years since we first met. Uh, and advising Autarkia from afar. And uh, in, I'd say, early 2020, uh, in the early phases of the pandemic, when I was advising Autarkia about some of their upcoming programs, uh, and helping with some funding applications, uh, Robertus invited me to come and be the artistic director at Atarkia, which obviously was a big, uh, significant thing to invite in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> and we didn't know how it would work, but uh, a few months later, we figured it out. And I moved here to Vilnius uh, in October 2020, so almost two years, exactly. And you heard. Yeah, hi, I'm Eric. I... Mm, briefly, I was uh, still doing my bachelor's degree at Glasgow University. I did philosophy and art history, a joint course, and was kind of, uh, in terms of art field and the scene, both in, in the UK and in Lithuania, I was rather sitting in my own cave <laughs> more. And uh, I just saw the announcement that a project by Robertus Narcos is going to represent uh, Lithuania at uh, the next Venice Biennale. And uh, the two paragraphs got me uh, quite intrigued and interested. And I just uh, wrote Robertus. And uh, he replied positively. He said, yeah, we'll figure something out. And... Uh, in maybe, and it was uh, pandemic times as well, uh, so a lot of uncertainty, but in half a year's time, I think, uh, uh, began uh, this experience, which was called uh, uh, an internship, or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, uh, Robert is saying, so, okay, you can spend some time here as much as you will bear, uh, uh, we can call it an internship or <laughs> however. And uh, yeah, so that's how I joined. So yeah, I think we need to talk more about what 
Autarkia is. So basically, it's located in Vilnius in Lithuania. And former workers' canteen at like former secret <laughs> space electronic factory, something yeah, like this. Yeah, something like this. <laughs> and so it has like a lot of mysteries mm. behind itself and in front of it. And in front of it, of course, <laughs> like because you usually can't really find Autarkia or Delta Mitiba, who also cohabits the place here, which is like a experimental restaurant. And yeah, it's always quite, its activities are quite, quite lucid. And uh, sometimes it's more even like visible and, and, and it can be experienced by the people who like work there or just spend time there. So yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was uh, a month ago when we went with Liam uh, as a kind of a check-in on what's happening. Uh, Outside of the premises of Autarkia, uh, we met and uh, spoke about what's what happened, what is happening, what might happen. And I think then it came up that uh, we were talking about uh, the Venice work and it being as a artwork proper, artwork in a art uh, context for the biennial. But then... Uh, taking part in something like uh, uh, this fluid institution, Autarkia, it came up during the conversation that we might also look at ourselves as being, you know, participants in some kind of an artwork, uh, um, which is showcasing certain organizational principles or interactions. And uh, yeah, exactly like Lucas said, by being inside of it uh, part of it and uh, in the uncertainty and yourself experiencing the not knowing <laughs> the uh, boundaries the boundaries and all all the good and bad that comes with it uh, exactly it's kind of very open but also very close to those experiencing it in in depth is if there's such a thing like running uh, artist run spaces in general or just mainly like taking Autark as like a phenomenon? Or... I think you can only experience, like there are plenty of phenomena like that in, in, the, in the world, all very distinct and uh, like specific, but fall within some kind of category, but you can only experience so much of them in your life. And uh, either as just a starting student or taking up a new uh, role or position or having certain visions or dreams, like one, maybe two will be, <laughs> it's like people remembering their days when they were raving or whatever, yeah. uh, and it uh, stops, but for some it keeps going. But yeah, in this particular case, I'm talking about this localized context. It's a strange thought of like nostalgia in real time. Right, you're kind of living it as all the kind of uh, uh, idealization of it exists or is being formed. Uh, I was thinking to myself, it's a bit of a pop trendy term, but I think Atarkia has a bit of a multiverse uh, aspect to it, that it's all things and also kind of only one thing at the same time. <laughs> I think that's distinct from a lot of the other positions or roles that I've taken in my 
uh, life before, um, working in art in a lot of different dimensions as a kind of direct artist advisor, as an artist, as a curator, as a gallerist, uh, you know, commercial fields and nonprofit fields, you know, I've done all sorts of things. And Tarki is absolutely a distinct case. I think it's true to say that it's, there are probably other things that are somewhat like it, but its particular circumstance um, bears a lot of special qualities. And that's exactly what attracted me to it, you know, because I think that that sensibility for not being fixed in its vision, not being fixed in its programming, uh, still constructing its identity while it's living and breathing, <laughs> and that it's a bit messy, <laughs> uh, that's exactly what was attractive, more so than working in a more solid, static institution. And I thought there was more opportunity there. And I still think there is. Uh, but, you know, like a wild horse, <laughs> it's a bit difficult to tame. And that multiverse aspect of, like, it can mean something to me, but it can also mean something completely different to other people, and both can be true at the same time. Yeah, it's quite, like, present-focused. Like, if you enter the autarkia, it means you're going to do things, like, at present, and it doesn't have any, like... Maybe it has like a system, but it's like really, it's really hard to grasp it. Yeah, but then you like mentioned that we still, or Otarka still like builds its identity, I would say more like tangible one, because it of course has like quite an ambitious description about itself, which explains a lot about trying to contain like many uh, aspects uh, in, in the organization itself. So I think I'm gonna read it. So Otarka is an artist daycare center a club of interests, an office space for putative experiences and imaginary solutions, a bistro of experimental gastronomy, a gallery and project development hotel in Vilnius. I remember when we started working with Liam, we like, tried to analyze the description as much as possible and we like leaned towards one of the aspects of Autarkia, which is quite strong, not visible of course, like plainly visible, but it's a, that Otarki is like service oriented place. And it would be amazing if we would focus on, especially on this aspect and with all the projects and all this like daily activities uh, it, itself. Um, yeah, the reason that I gravitated toward uh, a service oriented organization uh, in collaboration with Lucas and Eric uh, is how I identified Atarki as being unique, you know, how, what it was already, not trying to come and impose a vision on it because that also I didn't feel was my role. It was kind of to uh, solidify uh, at least the purpose behind Atarkia, if not um, so much the programming. I think it needs to be what it is. What it is is to be a little bit of an ephemeral entity. And one of the things that makes Atarkia special, maybe before the time that it was Atarkia, when it was just a canteen, it's a place that people visit every day. So there's always activity there. There's always things going on, whether it's people gathering for a coffee or a meal, having a smoke outside, you just run into somebody on the street outside, you know somebody from there that you see somewhere else. Um, it's the social aspect. And to turn the attention of the organization toward those services, those actions, those like one-to-one -one interactions rather than exhibitions um, that also could include events, could include concerts, could include gastronomic 
uh, uh, aspects. Yeah. Um, it, it incorporates all of that. So I felt it was a very suitable uh, frame for what Otaki was doing and made it quite different than almost any arts institution of a similar type that I can think of in Europe. Uh, and it is that. <laughs> it also resists that. Um, but, uh, yeah, having something that was focused on, you know, we talk about Kunstverein, we, or, or the general kind of attitude and what I've observed in my time working in art about Kunstverein, about artist clubs. Um, and that concept is that it's geared much more toward the benefactors, the funders idea of what should happen, uh, rather than what artists need and to bring the artist club back to the artist kind of, <laughs> that was a little bit my uh, intention, still is my intention. Um, but of course, you know, having said that, it's a lot more difficult to execute uh, than just saying so. Yeah, and uh, me as well, like it takes time to identify or recognize it or get your focus on that that's what's actually happening and the ephemerality of it is is, is there and sometimes it's happening to you and you don't uh, recognize it so I'm still uh, with my other project which is kind of related to the canteen and the whole like yeah artist daycare center notion I'm still grappling with the notion of service and like we from the very simple uh, restaurant service where you order something that you are familiar or you are familiarized with like a meal and you get what you ordered <laughs> and that's how we like usually understand service uh, i order i wait and i get it get what i ordered uh, whereas here it's exactly the point of exchange and uh, it provides a frame for those interactions to happen and uh, whenever there is some formalization of that it resists it and that's the kind of nice and very difficult thing to deal with this untamed horse you know it it can bring you i don't know into a pond or into beautiful seas you know this untamed yeah, it's horse like a spirit that uh, possess you <laughs> whenever you want to try something more like conventional or like more yeah serious sounding yeah, and uh, it just backfires <laughs> mm -hmm. constantly, which is sometimes frustrating, but at the same time funny because you never know like how the result will end up. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the good examples would be Contact, which which was like a huge uh, happening, uh, done like after first wave of pandemics, and it was a part of a Baltic Triennial. A huge gathering with food, with uh, sound installation, video installation, uh, a comic, uh, like bashing all the artists <laughs> and insulting them. Um, yeah, so I think that's the place where it shines when it like tries to uh, attract as much people uh, within like artistic practices and uh, and the like atmosphere. Like a semi a semi controlled chaos. Like there was a general framework, like we invited all the people involved in executing the program. 
were either installed or provided the equipment. We organized the menu, so to speak, kind of choreographed everything. And then a lot like you do, like um, those little toys, those like chomping uh, mouths or something that you wind up and then you just let go. Uh, there was no controlling it after it was let loose. And it turned into, I don't know, like, depending on how you engage with it, like it was just a really nice barbecue party in the afternoon with like an insult comic, <laughs> or you stayed a little later and you were in a rave until like four or five in the morning. With police coming. With like the police coming twice. several times to break it up. Or you were climbing up to the roof drunk uh, and uh, having me usually stop you from getting up there. <laughs> yeah. Like even uh, ropes didn't help. Even ropes, even yeah, nothing prevented anyone from doing anything. Um, but... I think it's a really good example of like what it can be it, the most frustrating, but also at its best, because it was a lovely, there's a lovely spirit to it, even though it was hard to define, still hard to define this time later. Because as you say, it came after a very long period of time, almost a year and a half, where the ability of people to gather was very restricted, no matter where you were in the world. And what I thought was really beautiful about this night, this day, whole day, uh, was of course it was a gathering for people in Vilnius, but I also recognized many people who had traveled from abroad for the first time in a year and a half uh, to be there. And people were there with their kids. People were there um, just hanging out. People were just passing by. Some of them were just people who lived in the neighborhood, maybe didn't even know anything was going on. Um, there was just a really lovely mixture uh, of different things happening at the same time, and it was all true. You know, was it an artwork? Yes. Was it multiple artworks? Also, yes. Was it an Atarkia event? Yes. Was it Atarkia itself? Also, yes. Um, and that lack of definition, uh, you know, once you learn to embrace it, is actually really beautiful. Um, but I think that's also something that Atarkia teaches us is patience, um, <laughs> that things probably aren't going to turn out the way that you want them to uh, or you have imagined in your head. But, uh, you know, coming to terms with that <laughs> and also uh, appreciating it for what it is is also important, even as it's frustrating. Uh, yeah, and then it kind of belongs to everyone and no one simultaneously. I don't know how you feel about that, Eric. <laughs> no, I was thinking... I think it was I, like first uh, event for you at Autarkia. It was the contact for with Autarkia for me. Yeah, you're right. And uh, as you were talking, I was just realizing that, yeah, a lot of, you know, how early childhood experiences shape uh, mm -hmm. what you do later. So I realized that this early Autarkia experience is has shaped, uh, you know, what I'm concerned with. And so, like, in my head before coming to Tarkia and till this day and I will keep doing is exactly how do you make this uncontrolled chaos uh, or controlled chaos where semi -controlled. yes <laughs> semi-controlled chaos how do you play with those knobs to make it a barbecue party with the artistic side and uh, the sense of intensified living, which, you know, that again, doesn't make anywhere official or it stays inside. But I, I believe there is like a, a scale, a graph of 
not better or worse, not like less interesting or more interesting, but some kind of a quality or this intensified living can be intensified by 0.1 or by 100. So I'm still, yeah, s struggling with that, maybe <laughs> still reflecting on contactus or, uh, or or whatever that that is. And yeah, exactly, patience. Uh, uh, you either set up a regular rhythm, regular beat of having contactus every two weeks, every month, every <laughs> two months, or you have that one experience, a big one, and carry it as a, you know, as an example and, and yeah, narrate those stories and how you understand it, how you see it, reflect back to the same thing. I think it's an interesting point about regularity because one of the things that I observe is how Tarkia as a construct is quite resistant to routine. Um, you can have a good experience, you can have something that really produced effective results or a real reaction from people, whether it's in the menu for the restaurant or an event or any kind of program. Um, and if you try to repeat it, there's often a lot of resistance, either real or imagined resistance to repeating what happened before, even if it's successful. So, um, you know, that's a, it's a struggle <laughs> because you want to replicate the things which work and produce effective experiences, but it's also an experiment itself, and it's a living experiment. And as much as it is an institution, it is also an artwork of a one artist. And that is, both things can be true, you know, at the same time. Uh, and Robertus is who I'm talking about, like, you know, in the sense that he's still the sort of uh, artist in charge <laughs> of Atarkia, uh, in that it's his work, um, but also exists independent from him. Uh, these things uh, don't always match. <laughs> and it's exciting and it's frustrating. And it also just, yeah, presents a unique challenge, unlike anything I've ever been part of before, because it's got to serve, it doesn't have to serve any function, I suppose. But I suppose the real success of Ataki is that it exists and it continues to yeah. exist. It's like a, a written code. And yeah, you say that it's uh, founded and Robert is... is uh, the coder in chief? <laughs> yeah, the, the coder in chief, but it's funny how... Uh, visiting the space and now i'm talking about both the art space and the restaurant uh, people change but autarkia and delta mitiba does its own thing that's like uh, mm -hmm. one thing i realized for sure and especially now when like less frequently visiting so these two entities mm, kind of do their own thing and while you were talking um, about like about regularity and the routine, I think it's good to mention like uh, autarkia as a art part, <laughs> but there's day-to-day -day business, day-to-day -day running of the restaurant, which is uh, trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, trying to survive, and operate. Their personal affairs, I would say, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, if you want to see day-to-day uh, -day struggle uh, and, like, not the dreams of communality and uh, 
shared experience and shared enthusiasm and the new ideas springing up. Come you, here in Vilnius. <laughs> yeah. 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 Experience it for one or two months as much as you can. Yes. And see the, you know, people grappling with freedom, which is a hard thing to do. And it's like a I always thought about Otarki and Delta as two childs and they pull pulse uh, in between. Sometimes like the beginning was 90% Otarkia and 10% Delta mm-hmm. because we have a restaurant space, why not use it? And sometimes it's like 95% Delta, which has to survive and it requires a lot of attention and a lot of quarrels and uh, all that. And 5% of this thing capable of intensifying the sense of living. Uh, so it's very interesting the dynamics of, yeah, we can... We can spend many hours talking about it like we do now, mm-hmm. but there's the day-to-day operation of a business entity which has to do it, and there are people in the possess- positions that have to do it and have to maintain it. And yeah, it's like it's at the same time a powerhouse of those moments uh, that make life worth living and also the powerhouse of the struggles mm-hmm. <laughs> in a very second to second yeah i think it like embodies like a raw essence of like life essentially i would think so like or like your own life yeah raw essence i think is true uh Maybe although I, I'm, I'm careful i'm careful at least in my perception i'm careful to put too much of a like glossy coating on it, sweet coating on it, yeah, because yeah. it's also like it's easy to say from this position. But as I said, things can be very frustrating in the moment. And we talked yesterday, Lucas. I thought that was a, a good observation. Um, now that you and I and Eric, you know, we all have times that we're away from Atarkia for other projects or our own uh, things or even Atarkia related things that mean that we're not in the space. Uh, for a few weeks and in that few weeks a lot can happen and it's happened now I think to you like it has to me and probably you where you go back and the architecture has changed or the staff has changed and like there are people working in the restaurant who maybe just started a week ago and they don't know about Atarkia they don't know about the artistic component of the place they don't know who you are <laughs> they're just trying to do their part-time job so they can make some money and you know live their life and make the restaurant work and that's also great. Like, I think that this is actually really wonderful. Um, but it does have a little bit of a, uh, what would you say, like a disheartening effect, it, like in the position of somebody trying to, you know, implement things over a longer time scale. Um, because that impermanence is real. And it would be real anywhere, not just at Atarki, but I think it's effective, you know, like you feel it a lot more um, directly in a place like Atarki, because it happens so constantly. Yeah. Like, it's all like, um, we can only, excuse the metaphors, but like, we can only put our handprints or footprints in the sand until the tide comes in. And then, you know, then you're starting again. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like sometimes we're asking the question, how do you keep the uh, footprints uh, there? Which is, you know, the, the space will resist it mm-hmm. and we will uh, get disappointed or whatever, mm-hmm. or start to ask the, a different question. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you were now talking and I remembered how the first touch, because 
for me it's a smaller time time frame than for you both mm-hmm. and for the space so like i still remember the first uh period when robert does carries me around and says hello this is eric and this is a person and like i i will know the name i will know the face i don't know what they they are doing or and i kind of enjoyed this you mm-hmm. know anonymity uh i didn't enjoy the kind of i don't know how much can i contribute here or what like the constant question that i hear today as well in delta mitiba i want to know my position i want to know where i'm working you know <laughs> even in the business so mm-hmm. imagine the same thing in uh, in the art uh, art scene but uh it's kind of nice if there is uh you know Lucas now steps a uh, couple of steps back but then when he comes in he says okay you don't know me but let's go with this 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 and that i think the space needs it you know this fresh mm-hmm. because we were in a kind of a dormant dormant hibernation mm-hmm. uh, period together of planning but not a fresh gust of wind mm-hmm. uh so kind of how to how to embrace it mm-hmm. and still have a vision for the future in the long term. Yeah, the the challenge is good and I think that the thing that an entity like this needs the most whether it's Tarki or any other is um like a knowledge base communication and a transfer of that knowledge. So, you know, I almost wonder if you made like a manifesto for Tarkia and kind of a loose guideline on a page and you just handed it like you don't have to think but you just handed it to anybody who starts at Delta or Atarkia. Um I mean as far as I go, you know, in the limited uh influence that I've had in the time that I've been there, I certainly have tried to do that with everybody who joins. I I did with Eric when he joined and um and anybody uh with Gidra, like anybody who sort of kind of come into the orbit, you know. Um and I also am aware that like I don't know everything, <laughs> maybe not even half, and my perception of the way things are is also very different than maybe the other perceptions that are out there. Um and yeah, it's exciting. I think that's really good, but any successful organization only really lives it doesn't matter about the space, it doesn't matter about the physical environment, it's that knowledge. Like how do you buy into it and how do you communicate that to other people because that's actually the, what transports what you are and what you do. Um that's something that's consistent not just in my role with Atarkia but, you know, in any jobs or initiatives that I've started in in the past or once that continue I I have a, a syndicate which is a very similar kind of case which is it used to be a physical space in Cologne and some other locations and does like these nomadic projects but you know it doesn't have a physical space at the moment but it, I think it's just as alive as it ever was because it's about relationships and how it's communicated Do you think it, it can like embody in essence like this at least a startup like starting to run a artist run space or is it like already like unique and and it's kind so like distinct and i think it's not like so 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 distinct as i said before it's like falls into certain category but i what i didn't know and i what i what i think is very nice uh is that when you came liam you started by reading the description maybe it was a like 
a word salad that came up uh, in 30 <laughs> seconds uh, in some time of this universe but mm-hmm. uh, but exactly this was put in, set in stone and then the generations after tried to okay so what does it mean it's and like interpreting it's like interpreting like uh, ancient uh, text ancient scriptures or something yeah <laughs> and the Rosetta stone yeah <laughs> and uh, like what you uh, what you said uh, about the knowledge transfer that now besides this artist daycare center and etc no one knows what to say and maybe it's again like a interesting thing but also what makes it difficult so it's yeah. because it doesn't like act as you usually would imagine like any art like art or culture related uh, institution would run uh, because it's really like its resources are like people and it has as many faces as many people like mm-hmm. are present there at a certain mm-hmm. time so it would of course it would like it, it can be all the places can are also like partially dependent uh, on, on these aspects but but it's like I would say like really emphasized in Autarkia's activities and it's like how would you answer the question? I would say uh, usually when I think about Autarkia and like its structure, I remember like new institutionalism, like when uh, like like a discourse which which is no longer like active, in a sense. But it's like a it was a movement about like changing like institutions like as entities like as uh, its act and how they should like, how they should act uh, in the artistic community and what they should represent and should they be like really cold ones as like uh, white cubes and regimes or should they respond to like the needs like uh, like artists themselves and uh, and become like an uh, an art itself something like that so i would say it really depends how many artist run spaces you know and how many experiences uh, you had being there not only like uh, like seeing its program or but also like talking to people who work there and maybe visualizing their uh, daily routines so it's say at one point yes it would like embody <laughs> that's why i questioned it like made this question but uh and on the other point uh, it's so unique sometimes you can't really like describe it we ourselves sometimes can't really describe what it is Mm -hmm. like because it's like a constant uh search like Mm -hmm. constant research even like yeah and i think it's uh it's also a big work to try to you know, grasp it, and uh, when uh, when when Robertus and Milda, co-founders, were in Venice, thinking about their coming back to Vilnius and what to do with Autarkia, what to do with Delta, and I was talking to them, and collecting even more of those stories of uh, before I came in and experienced it live. I thought, wow, I w- I would love to help them write a book on it you know one particular thing uh, uh, inspired me is that the fact that you know if you imagine two blobs the business restaurant and the art space it was 10 percent 90 percent it 
overtook uh, almost completely uh, for a big part of the time. So this, how you know, try to grasp this information, cope with this information. How does it work? How does it overtake? It's kind of natural. And uh, so, yeah, I, I thought about, mm, you know, it would be great. And then if and then if it happens, if one is one book is written about the history, uh, like the five years of autarky and Delta Mitiba, then this becomes the you know the knowledge source or whatever. If there are ten books about it, the sum of ten books becomes the source of knowledge. And if it's twenty, and when it's none, everyone is like, so what is autarky? And everyone goes silent and uh, in a turmoil of, th of thoughts, which is again the nice and the and the struggle, the nice part and the struggle. Um, but this knowledge gathering, knowledge compiling uh, is a work on its own, uh, whereas there is a struggle of the pro programming and the planning and daily operation itself. So it's like it would need twice as many resources uh, for both things to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We used quite a lot, quite a lot of times the word struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like we're not using it negatively. No, it's we, I think we really enjoy and enjoyed uh, all the time spent there. Yeah. Um, but I think it also like really represents like essentially a running like an artist run space like mm -hmm. and uh, uh, any other space like it's always like a struggle to start to maintain to uh, to achieve like a certain image yeah. you want to. It's like this uh, Christian's name of suffering and the uh, Buddhist that is also getting translated mm. to suffering, but has it's a different connotation. Mm. Yeah. Should have the yeah. different uh, energy field. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good a good point to underline. Is that you know I came to the role in my own way <laughs> that, uh, you know, the way I approach employment or invitations such as this is to come and try to be a steward, like an idea of stewardship, um, to respect what it is and help it be that best version of itself. Um, and sometimes that can work and sometimes you find resistance. <laughs> um, but in this case, I think what was particularly the struggle if you want to put it that way and not in a negative way, is even to identify what that is. You know, if you're going to help something be itself, you need to find out what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think the Atarkia conundrum, so to speak, is a long-term prospect. I think probably another five years wouldn't, uh, wouldn't uh, bring it a whole lot closer. And when all is said and done, you know, whether it's Atarkia or everyone involved with it uh, reaching their, their endpoint, you could write 10 books, as you say, about it, and they would all be true. <laughs> they wouldn't be, they wouldn't, they might contradict each other in some small ways, but in the end, they tell the more complete story. And I think this is what I've, I think in the last year, begun to realize versus what I came here what I thought I came here to do is that what Atarki is isn't so much, as I said, about the space. Um, that's just sort of the hub of activity, but it's more of the spirit and it's kind of an affiliation you have that you go and you do what you do in the world. 
uh, and you carry the name of Autarkia with you. And that's a little bit how Autarkia intervenes and interacts uh, with everything, um, which is great. <laughs> uh, and it's also a little bit, uh, I don't know, like it attaches yourself, itself to you and you can't get it off. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, again, this is not a negative thing. It's just an interesting, it, I think this is unlike any type of, uh, you know, artist run space or artistic initiative or gallery or any kind of project I've been involved with previously is that you're, you're associated with it. And that seems to be its biggest impact. Yeah, I see that we can like talk and talk and talk about uh, Autarkia and never end actually. So I want to thank you for your time. It was like a really, really good conversation as usual. And I was really waiting for it. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, we should be clear. We've probably had this conversation not recorded uh, a number of times before and always with different topics. Which is maybe, uh, you know, we, we have those conversations and it never comes up to a book. So now it was set in stone, yeah. which is... <laughs> That's yeah, let's start writing a book. Yeah, and this came from, you know, actually from outside of Autarkia, you know. Mm -hmm. It's for a different purpose. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's like other other people set the deadlines and uh, that's how we get moving. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Have external deadlines set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. So thank you both. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you to Radio Vilnius and Katrina Beredita, also used as who let us record at their premises. And yeah, thank you all listening. Uh, and now please enjoy listening to one of sound pieces composed by Polish artist uh, Lubomir Grezlak, aka Lutalenta. And he was playing it at Contact, as what we were talking about. So thank you again and bye.